Hello everyone, just Dan here again to give you a little warning that for the third week in a row our show gets a little bit swearier than usual this week I'm afraid. Up to including the F word, please forgive us, put it all down to enthusiasm for this week's topic. So, you have been warned. Hello everyone, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome, and if you're a returning listener, welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. This show talks about horror, horror in film, TV, other media, other items which we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd also like to talk about, just because that's who we are. We have a number of hosts who vary week to week, but I'm T.D. Velasquez, or you can call me Dan, in Greater Manchester. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by... Stella Gaynor, also in Manchester. And also the third wonderful host... Uh, Kirsty Warrow in Shropshire. Marvellous. And we'll get in a little while to talking about what this episode is going to be about as a main topic. But for now, shall we have some news on horror from horror or life from anybody... Uh, I've got some life news. I mean, it's only small, but I have officially this week started writing my book and I have 2,872 words written. That's fantastic. I don't know if they're good words, but they're there. It's a start. It's a buddy start, isn't it? And I think um, I'm easing in slowly because the, the introduction chapter and then the first chapter on The Walking Dead is coming directly from my PhD, so I just need to rewrite those. So I'm just sliding in without doing i won't start any new research until uh september so yeah i'm i'm easing in so it feels good to have started something just have a file saved on my computer that is it's here and it's going so you should probably do more have you (laughs) saved it it helps have you saved it to the cloud though yeah it's saved on my laptop it's saved on my university's cloud and i've emailed it to myself so yeah it's every possible which where it could be (laughs) so that i don't lose it yeah well done and then my other bit of news is kind of still life news but um because i'm amazingly skint at the moment um some good friends have all chipped in and got me a full pass for Fright Fest weekend for my birthday so that's very very nice so i would like to say thank you they are, aren't they? So I'd like to say thank you to Craig, Laura, Shelley and Tom for um, buying me a pass to Fright Fest for the whole five days. And it actually runs over our wedding anniversary as well. But <laughs> <laughs> Wedding anniversary, Fright <laughs> Fest. You know. Yes. No contest. Yeah. yeah, we've been married for, it's 12 years this year and that's not an important one, is it? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things. No, that's fine. No. Yeah, so that's my no. news. That's some great kind work on the part of your friends. Yeah. Uh, and well done on the book. That's You've already written more yeah. words than I think I've written in the last three years. So, <laughs> superb. How about you, Kirsty? Not you bad. Got any news this week? Yeah. I've got a well, similar, not quite as, uh, it's not a whole book, but um, I wrote a chapter 
uh, a couple of years ago now um, on Hannibal. Surprise, surprise. Oh, you know um, what? I was thinking we'd gone a few weeks without mentioning Hannibal. I thought I had I know, to drop I mean, it in if it you just, didn't. Well, yeah, but it's all felt like I couldn't really. It didn't. It didn't feel right for me to bring in Hannibal when we were talking about you know kind of paganism and witchcraft because I don't want those two things to be aligned particularly because they're not. Right. Um, anyway, so we had a, an email um, last week from the editors um, to say that the book is finally, finally coming out. Um, Yay! So it's been published by uh, McFarland Books. Um, and is coming out uh, in the American parlance in the fall. Wow. I don't know when exactly. Um, but the title of the book is uh, Hannibal for Dinner, Essays on America's Favourite Cannibal on Television. Um, I'll get our university yeah. libraries to get it in. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it will be available uh, in the UK. So I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited to have my contributor's copy because it'll be my, my first book. So That's How many marvel. copies are they giving, giving uh, you? I think only one. <laughs> Only oh, one. Yeah. yeah, I think for edited collections, I think I've only had one. Yeah. Which is a bit like, well, that's a bit schneid. Um, but uh, for my full book, I get six. Oh. So, so I, I let them. But that seems quite excessive. So I'm like, somewhere in the middle, please. But yeah, so I think, yeah. I don't know what I'll do with the six, but yeah, I think one is the standard. But I was wondering if McFarland were a bit Christmas kinder. Christmas presents is probably the thing, isn't it? If you get six. Like, yeah, have, have a signed copy yeah. and give it to someone who really is not interested. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Uh, oh, well done. How about you, Dan? Well done, Kirsty. That's uh, well. I mean, I'm, mm. uh, I, I'm fine. That's my main news. Um, I just <laughs> want to say, is, is there already like a, a a link to a dealer that we can put on the show notes? Um, I'll, I will send you the the link so that yeah. So it's just on the the McFarland website at the moment for pre available for pre order. Oh, fantastic! Um, All right. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna be, but yeah, very excited to see it in print. I think. So. Well, uh, some yeah. news I have this That's week cool. is that I've I've pre ordered the DVD uh, the Blu-ray of the Woman in Black that I mentioned the other week. I've had an mm-hmm. email saying your your order has been dispatched. I'm wondering what I'll feel like when it gets here and I haven't got a Blu-ray player. But um, <laughs> sad, I imagine. But neither that, maybe I'll just put it on the shelf and go, "Wow, doesn't it look yes. lovely?" <laughs> um, a couple of bits of news that um, I think, I, well, I want to mention that are, are kind of sad. Um, uh, firstly, um, Howard got in touch with me yesterday to let me know that. Um, Sadly, the music composer Billy Goldenberg died. Howard knows and loves his work because he scored a lot of uh, early Columbo episodes. Um, right. But he also scored Duel. Um, oh. Oh. Which, apart from being a great movie, and I think, you know, a great example, as we talked about before, of, of kind of early TV horror. Um, yeah. It's also one of the rare examples of a Steven Spielberg film that doesn't have John Williams' music on it. Um, mm. because they hadn't developed that relationship yet. And, but Billy Goldenberg's score on there, which is very psycho-influenced, I think, in the, the mode of a lot of horror scores of the time, um, but is also really distinctive. I mean, I watch that film roughly yeah. once a year, to be honest. It, it's a, a bizarre example of a film that's so simple, and yet I find it endlessly rewatchable. It's like... Uh, it's so good. Yeah, you know, I mean, how I don't know how they've done that. It's you know, so straightforward. Man is driving car. Truck chases man. <laughs> man gets away from truck. Spoilers. <laughs> That's kind of the whole film, and yet, uh, but it still grips me, even though I kind of 
I think I know every single beat by now. And yeah. I think it's so tense. It really is. It's just tense. Um, I heard a while ago that, I hope this is true, that Steven Spielberg certainly for a long time watched it again every year to remind himself of what kind of a director he was when he was young because he was only about 25 when he directed that. Mm. Um, and it's it's so brilliantly camera directed. It's like, what can we do to make this truck scary and interesting? Every yeah. and and kind of make the truck a character, like it's a, a monster. Um, it's a great truck as well, isn't it? It's just, the way it it's looks. Fantastic. It's just brilliant. It's so good. I have a confession. You've never seen it, I have you? Haven't, no. oh, yeah. I've seen, I mean, I've seen. I know. I obviously know of it, and I have seen clips of it, and I've indeed I've used clips of it in in lectures, but I've not actually sat down and watched the whole thing ever. Right. So, That's your homework. Yeah. Do it. I, <laughs> I know. Yeah. My confession is that I've never seen the short version of it because you know how it was made for TV and then they extended it for cinema release, mm. so they actually shot new material, which I think the new scenes are actually written by Steven Spielberg rather than the writer because the writer wasn't available. Um, so I've only ever seen the long version. Um, but I, so maybe it's even better when it's shorter and even more kind of. Um, arrow focused and arrow tight but I can't imagine mm. it being better I think everything only seems to fit perfectly and um, it's definitely one of my favourites so yes R.I.P. Billy Goldmerk he did a hell of a lot of work not just scoring one <laughs> horror movie he was a concert composer and he wrote musicals and he's just got hundreds of credits if you look on IMDB he was 84 um, wow but you know um, just a shout out and a shout out to Howard as well because he's still kind of in the in his nether space and occasionally yeah. I just get messages from him and I still hope Hi Howard that, <laughs> Hello fella, hopefully we'll, we'll find a way of having him back on the yes. show live sometime yeah. um, um, and can I, Sorry, can I just in- interrupt for a second yeah, just yeah. whilst I think about it um, because you were talking last week about um, uh, the, about Robin Sherwood Yes um, and I came across in one of the other kind of social media groups that I'm part of. Um, apparently, it's all on the i on not the iPlayer, obviously not the ITV player. Oh right. Apparently. Okay. So if you want to go, if you haven't seen it and you want to go and check it out, um, apparently it's all there. If you're a UK viewer, obviously. If you're not, then you might have other means. I'll go and look for that. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> I mean, I've got all the DVDs anyway, so I did watch an episode <coughs> again this week because I think it's so great. But that's fantastic to know because. Yeah, I was I was worried that ITV were not taking the opportunity to reshow it in in any way. Like they're a bit embarrassed about it, and they so shouldn't be, because um, it's just fantastic. Um, the other sad bit of news is that um, uh, moving away from horror cinema, but in terms of horror theatre, every year in London there's the um, London Horror Festival, um, which I had a play in a couple of years ago. Um, and it's it's not happening this year. Um, obviously, you know, it, lots of festivals have moved to online, but they've decided that it's too complicated and too costly to do that with a theatre festival. Um, so right. they, they've mm. written to all their usual contributors this week and announced that. So there will be one next year, which is the 10th anniversary of the London Theatre Festival, it, which is a really great, um, you know, well, it's a really great festival, um, supported by the London Horror Society, and it's lots of fun. So I've been there as a participant and as a punter, um, and it's the, and and I think 
it's it was started 10 years ago by a guy called Stuart Pringle and then it was continued um <coughs> by Katie Danbury who's an actress so hopefully they're going to make a big sort of 10th anniversary celebratory festival next year um yeah. but um but nothing this year but it is a, a, a nice horror community to be part of so I just wanted to give them a shout out because they're very supportive and it's you know um horror theatre is something that I, I'm always keen to push because I think there isn't enough of it and it's quite difficult mm-hmm. to do and um you know we talked about how horror gets kind of looked down on it as a genre in a lot of media um and I think that's still very true in theatre um you know something like the walking dead has to happen in theatre for uh, <laughs> for, for this to be the kind of turnaround in the genre that there has been on tv yeah um and it's very difficult to do that in live performance obviously mm. um i mean uh jeremy dyson and andy nyman's ghost stories was a huge hit but even that's kind of seen like an outlier um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, I, I'm really keen to encourage anyone who wants to do something. No, I have to say, I think Ghost, Ghost Stories was touring, wasn't it? I think before this all happened, or at least I think there's plans for that. I think. I know was... I've seen something about Ghost Ghost Story Story, but it was without doubt the sing the singular most scary theatre experience I've ever had. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't Absolutely. know you've seen. Absolutely. Yes. Right. I haven't seen the <laughs> stage show. Just the film. Yeah, and I've not seen the film, partly because I don't, I've not heard great things about the film. Okay. And I don't want to sully my theatre experience by <laughs> uh, associating it with um, a film that doesn't live up to sure. the standard of the, and it was, yeah, it was intense. And it's, yeah, I mean, the, just the, the kind of craft of it. Um, I'm not going to do any spoilers because you, you, you're not allowed to, but it's the, the way that they did the show is it's one act. You can't leave. Right. Or oh. no, you, no, sorry, you can leave, but you can't go back in. Yeah. That's it. If you're out, you're out. Um, and the whole theatre, um, when it was in the West End, is sort of kind of decked out in a kind of horror theme. And they start, you know, from the moment you walk in, you have to just sign this disclaimer saying that you're not pregnant and whatever. Uh, you have heart <laughs> conditions. Um, that you understand that you you know you're not allowed to share information about the plot. Um, you're not allowed to leave, and or if you do, you can't come back in. And um, they start like pumping smells into the auditorium. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's very very intense, and I thoroughly that recommend it. But when the theatre is live again, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have seen the film, and I do think the film's great. Um, but obviously I can't speak to how it compares to the theatre experience. But mm. there's some, I, I feel like it would still be worth seeing the theatre version, even though I've seen yeah. the film. Um, you yeah. know, I think th- there might be a big twist at the end that I know, but I think it's so different when you're in the room with something yeah. happening. Uh, yeah. It makes and, all and the, the difference. The, yeah. And the creation of the kind of horror, um, different horror reactions, you know, the kind of slow bit burn building sense of dread and jump scares and stuff is so well done mm. in the theatre space um, that yeah uh, and it gave me a thing that I that I understand happens in America but doesn't happen in Britain very much in terms of when you go to see a horror film in the cinema um, you get the odd person jumping and you know but it doesn't seem sort of like everybody is mm. converged in terms of their their response 
but the theatre uh, audience were like loud. Right. And, you know, and kind of very, very unified in their kind of the expressions of their shotgun horror. Wow. Fantastic. Well, that so, sounds yeah. great. <laughs> it was yeah. great. But I will I will carry that one with me till my final days. <laughs> yeah. Me and my friend have discussed this about how when you go and watch horror film in the cinema, so like the contract of the cinema is that you all sit down and shut up mm. and watch the film and there's very little sort of yeah, like audio response from the yeah. from the crowd. Because um, when when me and my friend go, friend in particular, friend Laura, another Laura, we we certainly don't mind yelping and <laughs> screeching at, at whatever's frightening us at the time and we're generally the only ones and we mm-hmm. think oh no are we being annoying um but you know we're usually drunk so it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> uh but i think the last film where anybody sort of anybody else in the audience seemed to have an audible reaction was hereditary and that was um people kept laughing but it was kind of it was clearly very nervous laughter. Yeah. Like they weren't laughing at it, like they were laughing at a comedy. They think they were laughing to deal with what they were looking yeah, at. To release. And um, yeah. And as we left, the two two guys behind us, I heard one of them say, "Oh, I'm glad I'm glad you started laughing because I was, you know, I was thinking I wanted to leave." And I was like, "Really? Was it that bad that you had to, yeah, like compensate for it somehow?" And it's like wasn't that scary but wow. yeah that was the last time i've heard anybody no. you know it's happened to me react times. in such a way uh, i remember i told you guys about when i went to see 28 weeks later that was a very vocal audience and also <laughs> when i went to see um a couple of years ago what's it called don't breathe um either of you familiar with that i've not seen that That's, um, no a film from the director of the evil dead remake and it's about some kids uh, hear that the blind man down the street has got loads of money hidden in his house, so they should just burgle it, and 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 it'll be fine because he's blind. But they don't realise that he's like an Afghanistan veteran. Ah, um, uh, that was advertised on the Horror Channel right. recently. I think it's either been on this week or it's going to be on. And the, we, I was watching the trailer, and Owen was sat with me, and he was just like. No, we're no. <laughs> not no. watching that. And like, well, I was going. Ooh, he went. No, it's very effective, <laughs> and it certainly has bits where, like, you know, a door opens and someone was shouting, "Don't go through the door!" You know, <laughs> it really works. And I, I, yeah, I, I think it depends on the audience, but horror and comedy are similar in that mm. um, sometimes. A comedy isn't funny until someone gives everyone permission to laugh by laughing themselves. Mm. And then everyone else yeah. feels they can join in. And it's the same with kind of making a vocal reaction to to a scary movie. If everyone's sitting yeah. there and um, just having their own internalised fear, that can still be great. <laughs> um, but it's a different kind of experience when you realise you're sharing the fear with the whole room. And yeah. I think yeah. it's that only happens when there is a certain kind of audience composition yeah i think mm. it's very cultural though isn't it I mean, that's what i was alluding to yeah. before is you know mm. the kind of american audiences i'm told are much more vocal uh, across mm. all genres in terms of their responses um to films um whereas you know kind of we're not british people are not we tend we're, to we're english aren't we sit there <laughs> yeah sit down shut up and and, mm. and just quietly get annoyed at people who are not 
conforming to that. Like, yeah, just that's what sigh I every now and then. Why then get turned around? Exactly. The, the, the only, only time I think I remember being sort of having a slightly different experience with a horror film was I went to see Paranormal Activity. I think the day it came out, not because I was like rushing to, I was just went, I went with a friend. Um, <laughs> and so it was kind of the day it came out was Friday night. Um, and the the film the the cinema was full of you know kind of teenagers and young people who clearly were there for you know a, a fun time. Um, <laughs> so that you know I think that's the only the only time I've had the experience of watching horror where people were being much more vocal, sort of screaming at the jump scares and mm. you know and kind of you know big intakes of breath now and again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think yeah, kind of a, a less populated cinema on another day is probably in this country and it would likely not get you that same kind of vocal response. Yeah. No, although I have to say it's a different kind of terror when you find you're the only person in the in the theatre watching a really frightening movie, which is happening. Yeah, to me I love that though. It's. I mean, obviously it's brilliant, the... but you just kind of you feel like you can't possibly escape. Um. Well, no, but you, you can because who would see? <laughs> Well, well, what I mean is just you're, the whole unlike, thing moving seats. you're unlikely to make it as far as the door before the horrible yeah. thing you're trying to avoid has happened. So why <laughs> See, I'd find it more, yeah. I'd find it more scary to be like one of three people watching a scary film and uh, in a cinema and then like feel like, oh, I can't leave, even though I really want to. I'm really not enjoying this film because the others will judge me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say because the others might be murderers. No, no, no. Just, uh, no I'm, just, I'm, I'm far more worried about being judged than uh, being ah. murdered. Well, <laughs> See, I don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> again, that's British, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes psychological sense yeah. to me. So. Yes. Ah, oh, great. So <laughs> those are our bits of news and things this week and, and our catch-up discussion i think it's time we moved on to the main event and speaking of movies mm. that scared us senseless mm-hmm. we've all had multiple <laughs> traumatizing experiences this week with a movie called host which we introduced uh, last week it's on shutter at the moment and you can view it if you're a member of shutter with an amazon prime subscription or you can if you're not a member yet you can t- you can take out a free trial and view it kirsty can I uh, just clarify? So last week um, I said that Host was um, produced by Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. Um, which, which it is not. It's not. There was some confusion around that because of the timing of the announcements. So, um, yeah, so just this, this is not Rob Savage's film produced by Sam Raimi. This is, that's something else. I just wanted to clarify. Yes. Uh, this is Rob Savage's film, which is on Shudder. Who knows if the Sam Raimi film will end up on Shudder, but... Um, yeah, this movie's out there now. It's it's a Shudder exclusive, um, but it's easy to watch if you have streaming capability. And we've not only all seen it, but we we got to have a chat with the director, um, who was very kindly lend us some of his time today. And uh, listeners, you'll all hear what um, Rob had to say to us uh, in a short time. But I think we should just have a quick spoiler-free chat about mm-hmm. what we. Uh, love about the movie because I think it's fair to say we all recommend it we normally leave all our recommendations to the end on this show <laughs> yeah. but it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's safe to say that any, all of us feel that any horror fan will, will get something out of this definitely uh, yeah. Kirsty do you want to remind us what the um, the concept of the film is yeah 
So the concept of the film is um, uh, it, essentially it's five or six film, uh, films, not films, five or six friends who um, in lockdown have been sort of gathering together uh, on Zoom um, for some social time, socially distanced social time. Um, and uh, the film sort of is essentially one of those um, where Hayley, um, one of the friends, essentially has got a, a medium to spice up this particular Zoom session with an online Zoom-hosted seance. Um, and because it's horror, uh, we can all, you know, kind of, yeah. without spoilers, <laughs> I don't uh, speculate where to. that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's Zoom seance is basically, you know, if you're going to be really reductive about it, um, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. To quote Ghostwatch, it is a massive seance in a way yes. we're, we're all watching it um i, I yeah. I've gotta say uh i'm really pleased that somebody's finally made a movie that looks better on the laptop because it, it's even more powerful if you watch it on your laptop because that's how they will watch it, it really makes you feel mm. like you're part of it obviously people will have the option of watching it on their tvs um but uh yeah i was so impressed by this movie um Full disclosure, we've, we've all talked about it off mic um, because we couldn't stop ourselves. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm so certain that, that we all loved it. But it's just such a great example of a supernatural horror story told using the technology at hand. I mean, it, because of the way it's shot, because the way they've had to shoot it over Zoom, it is a horror film. But it doesn't have access to a lot of the usual horror cliches, you know. It doesn't have spooky music. It doesn't. It does have jump scares, but it isn't able to create them in the usual way. Um, and uh, I think we had this discussion the other week when we were talking about our scariest movies and Ghost Watch and Blair Witch came up. It has that that thing that the the usual artifice of a film is stripped away so that you you can really believe in the world so it's like found footage in the best way the, the way the best found mm. footage horror works um and i uh yeah i i just found it so um so much fun so frightening and so adrenalizing um it ruined my night's sleep both times that i watched it <laughs> so um yeah, it, it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating movie, and even more so when you once you've seen it and you go into how it was made, um, which yeah, uh, we'll we'll hear detail about that from Rob in a few mm. weeks when we when he's going to come back to us and we'll do a spoiler discussion about the film because yeah. once you've seen it, there's going to be loads of questions you've asked about how they did that. Um, yeah. So yeah. that kind of stuff isn't covered in our interview with Rob today. It's more general. Um, but I could just talk about this movie for ages, <laughs> but I think I should let yeah. you guys say something. It's pretty scary. <laughs> um, I, w <laughs> I watched it on a Sunday afternoon in broad daylight on my laptop um, with a cup of tea, and I was definitely very very uncomfortable. Um, and before we were talking about being you know, vocal with, with fear, there was two occasions in it where I made a very odd <laughs> noise <laughs> um, 
with with the jump scares i think because it does have some excellent jump scares and i don't want to be that person that says oh, i never get scared because i clearly do shit my pants quite frequently when watching horror but i generally don't jump um i think because one of the things this film avoids is that you said the horror cliches mm. um and so usually i do see jumps coming mm. and you know you always see you always know when the fake jumps coming you always know you know when somebody's going to rush out of the dark if you watch enough horror but host managed to make me jump two or three times i think and yeah be vocal about it as well and i had to pause it halfway through to go and close the back door that was creaking and when it was finished i had to go and speak to somebody else in the house to make it go away yeah. <laughs> when I and it, yeah it's disturbed disturbed my sleep twice yeah, i'm no. glad it's not just me when i watched it it was a hot um, evening first time so we had the windows open in the house which meant that in other parts yeah. of the house doors were opening and closing by themselves yeah we have that that as well. did not yeah. help no um, <laughs> just say how about you Kirsty? yeah oh so many thoughts i mean i i i loved it um i I'm, i think i'm a bit biased anyway because of my relationship to rob um but um I think it, you know, it's a really efficient um, piece of filmmaking, and I think, uh, and I don't want to be sort of hyperbolic. I've been watching this week as this film has sort of blown up on social media, and it has properly blown up, yeah. um, and lots of people like Kim Newman talking about it in really kind of big terms. I think that it is going to be talked about in the future, undoubtedly, and 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 mm. for a couple of different reasons. One is because it's you know the kind of product, and and it doesn't try and hide the 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 context of its production in that it's you know it was made in lockdown during twenty twenty, um and so I think it'll be you know part of the raft of kind of films and other media products like stage for example which will be sort of you know um, dissected as being um you know a, a, as being um the kind of emblematic of, of the time period, um of mm. human history um mm. and but I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But mm. I think it also is going to be, you know, an important one that people talk about when they talk about fan footage um, and spectatorship. One of the things that kind of it really kind of dawned on me, I think, watching it is the way in which, I mean, the whole film, with the exception of a couple of little um, uh, idents at the beginning and some text at the end, some credits at the end, the whole thing presents itself as a sort of Zoom uh yeah so kind of as a zoom call so you um and if you're watching on laptop or ipad or whatever you the spectatorship is different in that we're also used to being on the other end of those kind of screens mm-hmm. and interacting with people um so there is a sort of sense that the film kind of creates pulls you in because you feel like you're you know kind of a, a participant in some ways um on the call which would not work in a cinema in the same way mm. at all. So it actually is a, a horror that really needs the small screen, I think. Um, and that because of that, when we get the shocks, it's more because we're leaning into the screen a bit more. Um, and not only that, that our attention is usually on one of six or one of four frames within the wider frame. Yeah. Um, and we're also seeing other people reacting on screen to the, the horror that's happening somewhere else on the frame. And I think it's just so well managed the whole kind of arc of the film and the whole kind of spectator experience um and yeah like you said i, I you know i'm 
familiar enough with horror that I can see it coming a mile off. Yeah. And there were times in this where I, I still did, but it still got me. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that it's, it's just, yeah, um, so enjoyable. I mean, in the interview, Rob, you know, that you're going to hear later, Rob talks about the idea of the kind of roller coaster, and that is absolutely mm-hmm. what it felt like. And it felt like, um, yeah, the best time that you could have getting excited and having your adrenaline <laughs> kind of going whilst not being at a theme park um, and being in yeah. kind of quarantine. So, um, yeah, well done, that person, or those people. It's a yeah, terrific film, I think. Yeah. It's really innovative, I think, that we'll hear in the in the spoilery bit yeah. that we'll do in a few weeks' yeah. time. It's very innovative. And um, working with what they've got, I think, is... You know, it's to be commended for that, not just, you know, how it works as a horror film and it's scary, but I think, yeah. you know, to be commended for in, in this very, very tight situation, they've put together something that is, you know, is is good, is really, really, really well made and it works. And I think it will work, you know, when, when we're allowed out again. I think it will mm. be an important piece of film to look at in terms of horror, but also, um, you know, there's already been call for papers going out across academia people wanting to write about media content in lockdown um, lots of academic colleagues have said you know I think they're being a bit quick with that because we don't know yet you know it's going to develop and I think um, Host has shown what sort of a height of what is possible to do inside inside lockdown whereas you know call for papers two months ago was that well people are still figuring out what they can possibly do and we need, need to look at the process for a while but yeah, I think it will be pointed to as a really, really important and seminal piece of work for this time period and then for horror as a whole. Mm. But, you know, to also to show this is, you know, it's possible to make something that's tight and is good and then works and is interesting, even when, you know, yeah. we're living with the plague. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking actually about how the, you know, kind of, there are probably quite a lot of technicians out in Filmland at the moment that might look at a film like Host and go, oh, crap. Oh, <laughs> like you know, I'm not yeah. necessarily that relevant to production. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or at least I don't have to be. Um, you know, there are ways around my job and my reason for being, um, which you know, it's not that I would want to see all films like Host. I don't. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very, very efficient and you know, kind of well executed with very little time and one assumes money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I hope it'll be inspiring, though, you know, to those people that are sat around, you know, people, yeah, to make stuff, do something with your time. And I don't want to be that person that you should use lockdown to better yourself because no. Um, but, you know, it's possible to you can still be creative yeah. and hopefully it inspires people. And so there's young people sat around who want to be filmmakers and, you know, are concerned about yeah. going to university and going to college and make some stuff at home. Yeah. Get on well, it. I think the message that Definitely. it carries is that it's actually the change of technology. Um, the development of technology which is changing filmmaking um, mm. and mm. we don't need to stratify the skill set in the, the people who make the films as much anymore because um, you know sometimes uh, because it's quite easy now for an actor to be a camera person um, yeah so therefore if you're a camera person think about being an actor or think about diversifying yeah. into to makeup artistry or something like yeah. that no yeah just it's all about it's people who can be a bit more self-sufficient at the yeah. same time you but know we, mm. we, that, that doesn't mean that we 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 want the end of big films yeah um you know because we'll all get bored if if all every movie is about two or three characters 
on their phones or whatever. Yeah. 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 But um. Yeah, I mean, we teach students that are going to work in television in particular that you need to be not necessarily a jack of all trades, but you need to have something more than just oh, I'm an editor. Yeah. Like, well, you, you're probably going to have to do something else because you know working on tight schedules. Yeah. You some you you need to spread spread the labour across people quite a lot of the time. Um. So yeah, it's the same with journalism, this, isn't it? As well, that journalists yeah. are now being trained to not just be, you know, kind of with a notepad and and you know the ability to yeah. type. It's can you shoot? Can you record audio? Can you edit yeah. stuff together? Can you post that to our website, please? Mm. Yeah, because um, it needs yeah, to be immediate, yeah. doesn't it? So if you can't do it yeah. all there and then on no, no. at that location yeah. where it's happening, I, mean, I suppose in in some ways it's kind of only natural that that film because of its sort of uh, archaic and very hierarchical processes. <laughs> Um, is sort of lagging behind other media industries in terms of that, you know, kind of convergence of skill sets for their... Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just realised it's become a very different discussion. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, host is really scary. Is, huh? <laughs> yeah. I think we should just um, see if we've got one more thing to say about host before we hand over to our conversation with Rob. Something I'd just yeah. like to mention is that, uh, and I didn't say this to Rob, but the sound design of host is really great. And if you can watch it with headphones, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really yeah. impressed with the use of atmospheres and things like that um, to kind of take the role that music often plays in a horror movie. Um, and this isn't really a spoiler, but there's like a sequence in the middle of the film where they turn their microphones up on the laptops. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. an incredible touch, the way that just changes the tone it kind of heightens everything as you'd feel it would um so you know that's um my last thought of something that struck me as amazing about the film there's so much though and we'll come back and talk about this later um have either of you got anything else you'd like to say before we hand over to rob um i think so yeah there was a point i was going to make earlier which was just about the way that I, i feel like the host has done the same thing for me my experience watching horror as listening to horror podcast in terms of it's the i was reading recently and I, apologies to whoever wrote this so not that they're listening um but there's a, a kind of a, an idea with podcasts when you're listening in the real world particularly horror that it kind of you know kind of gothic is no it's not a word but gothic guys is <laughs> That's not word. The gothic, <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, words I cannot say right now. But the, the the effect is that you you end up making the kind of the real world a scarier place because you're accessing horror whilst existing in the real normal world. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like the and we we we've also had kind of discussions off mic about this. The the way in which now because I've seen Zoom, <laughs> because of, sorry because I've seen Host that now video calls are you know somehow now in the realm of horror like our real experiences have been folded into that that kind of space because of um because of host if that makes sense horrification horrification yeah no the the word in the art the (laughs) word in the article is definitely gothicization wow gothicization yeah the gothicization of the real world um in terms of you know like every perceived normal things is much more kind of heightened and potentially scary because you're plugged into um you know kind of horror genre um audio yeah um and i think host does similar thing nice one mm. all right on that note then 
let's just spin back in time a couple of hours and we'll be joined by Rob to discuss the film in non-spoiler fashion. Uh, just a quick note for the listeners, this conversation with Rob was recorded over Zoom, which it was quite appropriate considering the film we're talking about, but it does mean that it's not recorded using our usual methods, so the sound quality is going to dip a bit now, um, but hopefully not to anything worse than you might be used to from your own Zoom calls. And then we'll come back at the end to do our usual additional recommendations. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously, we're not physically together, but there's no reason why Spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's going to happen. Visualise us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forth. What was that? Amy, was that you? I heard it. I heard something. I think there's something here. Did you say that? Come on. Funny. I heard something. You know, we've connected with something. We gotta keep going. We gotta talk to it. No. So Rob, thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, it's fantastic to have you here. Uh, Rob Savage, the director of Host. I think it's fair to say, and we should make this clear, we all love the film very much. Um, thank you. For myself, I have to say that I fell in love with it very quickly because I think it's a great example of two things that I love very much, uh, which is the kind of short form horror story of the mm -hmm. type you, you don't get so much anymore that, that, you know, it reminded me of things from the British TV of the 70s mm. that still remain so powerful. And also I thought it was an excellent example of what I think a really good ghost story kind of often needs to do, which is be at the top of its medium, really use its medium as part of the storytelling. Mm. So so that was fantastic. Um Thank you much. Uh, we did, we, we've all seen the, the short that you made at the start of lockdown, and um, I mean, Kirsty was on the line when I watched it. She will confirm that I <laughs> shrieked ludicrously <laughs> at the end of, of that. Um, <laughs> And obviously, it seems that host is a, a development of that idea. It, was that a direct process? Did somebody come see the, the short and come to you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of funny that people are, are calling it a short because really it was just a stupid prank that I played on my friends. You know, like we were all, everyone you see in host and everyone you see in the prank video are just the people that I was hanging out with and doing Zoom happy hours with anyway. And, um, one day I just, I decided that it might be fun to try and scare the shit out of them. And they knew that there'd been some business going on with my attic leading up to lockdown where I'd been <laughs> hearing weird noises and, and I'd been finding odd things had moved around the house. And um, I just moved into this place and I didn't have a stepladder. So, so lockdown began and I was like, oh, I should probably check it out just in case I'm living with a serial killer. And... Um, <laughs> so I got I got all my friends on Zoom for kind of emotional support, but little did they know I'd already been up there. There wasn't a serial killer living up there, but um, but I thought it was a good opportunity to scare them. So I, I I found a kind of 
sneaky way. I basically construct, let me see if I've still got it actually. I basically made this like weird, um, this weird thing out of uh, cardboard to place my phone onto. So I did this kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know how quite how to describe it. It's like a little uh, contraption whereby I'd kind of like put my hand in front of the, in front of the camera for a moment and place my phone into this little holder. So the phone was pointing at my laptop and then I'd play a clip from this movie wreck, this weird <laughs> where somebody goes, where somebody goes up into an attic and a zombie child leaps out and bites yeah. the face off. So, um, you know, my friends reacted as you would and, uh, and it was great. And it, you know, we put it online just as a bit of a piss take and it ended up, and ended up blowing up and getting millions of views and doing all this craziness. And, um, and people were scared by it. Like I thought it was really funny, but, but people, you know, people kind of took it as a little horror, you know, as a little uh, horror set piece as well. And, um, and, you know, immediately after that, we started getting lots of interest from people in the industry because this was, this was right at the height of lockdown. This is right at the peak and nobody could make anything. And, and, you know, we just made this thing that was, that was blowing up. So we, we hadn't even thought of it. We got a lot of calls asking if we could do something longer. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but like at the very start of lockdown, there was this kind of joke going around, like who's going to be the first person to make a film on Zoom? Yeah. It was just a bit sarcastic. And like, and two months in, nobody had done it. So me and my friends one night, we were just, we were on Zoom doing a Netflix party and we're like, why don't we do it? And it was really as simple as that. And then we, we kind of pitched it, we kind of pitched it around without really having an idea. The idea was that we'd figure it out and we pitched it to a bunch of places and everyone, everyone leapt at it. We got like, we got all these people kind of bidding on it. And all basically our pitch was a group of friends do an online seance, some scary shit's gonna happen. We'll figure it out, trust us. <laughs> and, and, and people were kind of throwing these offers at, at us. Um, and Shudder were the ones, I mean, we love Shudder anyway. Uh, like it was, it was pretty much getting me through lockdown anyway, just, just, just binging shudder. But, um, they kind of really got on board with how we wanted to make it. And also the fact that we had no clue how we were going to make it that, you know, they basically gave us all the kind of creative freedoms that we needed. They really, a lot of the other, a lot of the other companies that were kind of pitching in wanted to try and apply like quite a conventional framework to how the production would go. They were talking about like, yeah, we'll, we'll rush it through. We'll, we'll try and get it out in like six or seven months. And it's like, no, 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 this needs to be out in like six weeks. We need, you know, we need to basically strip back all the bullshit that normally slows down a production and just this, you know, this needs to come out while we're still living this reality because this is what it's about. And Shudder really got behind that. And they basically just said, go and, go and figure it out. And, and that was what we did. We, we figured it out kind of day by day as we made it. Wow, fantastic. I, 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 when I first saw the short, I, I'm really pleased to see that uh, what I thought was a, a technologically innovative thing that you've managed to insert a bit of a film into the short <laughs> was actually just you using a cardboard contraption yeah. with your, your phone on. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's um, pretty much how we made Host as well. It's all, you know, it's all held together with sticky tape. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, so basically, the whole idea of it came from um, the situation. There was there was no part of it that was an idea that was already um, going beforehand. Um, no, I mean, no, I mean, all literally from like from like just having the idea to make a feature on Zoom to 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 
releasing it was 12 weeks. So it was really like a spontaneous thing. And, um, you know, and we kind of felt like because of the restrictions, if it was shit, like we kind of get a free pass anyway. So we thought like, why not try it? Yeah. Um, and it would be a bit of fun and it would keep us sane. And, and we, you know, and it was all, uh, you know, it was me and my mates doing it. So it would be a bit of fun anyway. So, it, you know, it didn't really feel like a big, a big undertaking. And, I, I, you know, and also like I've, I've been looking to try and do like a really fun, like roller coaster haunted house movie, but I hadn't been able to like quite crack. I don't know if you're doing like, like, like you mentioned those kind of like old seventies, like BBC, like the Christmas ghost stories. And like, you know, one of the, one of the box sets that I cracked out at the start of lockdown was the, the, the Christmas ghost stories box set. I have it. Yeah. With like the yeah. Signalman and, and, um, and all of those great ones. And I was, I really wanted to do something like that, but it's very hard to find like a modern spin on that. That doesn't just feel shit. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and one of the things we were quite keen on for host when we set out was that we didn't want to make a movie that felt, worthy we didn't want to make a movie that felt like it was doing anything other than wanting to give the audience a, a scare ride and we you know we wanted to, to touch on things that people were going through right now but we didn't want to kind of labor it and um and one of the ways that we one of the things that clicked really early on is that is that the format and the fact that we're all locked down and the specifics of that that's enough to make this this kind of quite traditional ghost story feel fresh which is why we kind of went with the seance angle we wanted to kind of combine like this very like up to the minute present day situation with something that felt a bit more classical. Which I think was a really great idea because seances and, and spirit communication is about, well, communication and that's communication technology is what's keeping us all going at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I was interested in, cause you've said, you know, should have sort of stepped back and they've got yeah. this sort of, sort of like a hands-on hands-off approach to yeah. you know to funding and helping filmmakers when other people were bidding for it and you said other people wanted you to do it a certain way yeah is that a practice that you've sort of done that the whole time in your career where you've been like nah i want i want to be left alone or um i mean you don't normally get you don't normally get uh that luxury you know yeah. I, I mean i think i think and normally it's normally it's the other way around where <laughs> you're the one who's who's you know, you go into these meetings and you're, you're, the, the assumption is that you're going to be very so grateful that they're taking the interest, that they're giving you their time. And it, and it like, just because the current situation and the fact that we had this platform for, for, for a split second based off the viral short, it was kind of the opposite way around. It, you know, we'd proven that we could do this thing yeah. that other people hadn't quite cracked at, at this point. So everyone was, everyone was coming to us kind of grateful that we had an idea and a way to kind of to kind of create something during all this and um you know we managed to to kind of leverage that into i mean i say leverage that it seems like we kind of like um tricked them into giving giving us control but it was really a case of it was really a case of us saying to shudder look nobody's done this before we don't really know how this will work we think we, we we've got some ideas of how to make this really cool but we're gonna have to figure it out and if we want to release it as soon as possible this can't work like one of your other productions and they were totally they were totally cool with that and that was that was that was something they you know they brought to the table straight away they were like we just want we just want more of more of what you've already been doing and we're happy to support 
they just need new content, I suppose, because with everything else being shut down, nobody's filming anything there. Everyone's mm -hmm. screaming out for content because yeah. everything's off. <laughs> exactly, okay. exactly. And then I would like to congratulate you on the phrase um, twat not. That has definitely gone in my everyday vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking, Rob, that, um, you know, obviously the kind of the context of the contemporary world is terrible for pretty much everyone, but it's, it's, it seems to have been quite good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was, I, you know, I was enjoying lockdown anyway. I was just watching movies and playing yeah. video games. But I think if I hadn't have done host, I probably would have gone insane and jumped yeah. out the window. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can ask as well about the the kind of runtime because you know yeah. I've sort of obviously been kind of following responses on Twitter, um, and you know some people kind of questioning: is it a short? Is it a feature? Um, and because it sort of fits in that really kind of grey area in terms of runtime. Yeah. I was just wondering about like at what point did you go okay this this can only be this amount of time or we yeah. you know was there pressure to make it longer or shorter or you know um no I, and I just just want to say according to the the academy it's a, it's a feature so okay. I'm, no, I'm, right. sticking, I'm sticking to it I was um, gonna ask if you were eligible <laughs> yeah 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 um no the 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 runtime Basically, we negotiated with Shudder that it that it could be basically as long as it wanted to be, but no less than 30 minutes. Uh, and part of that was just because we didn't know how much good content we'd actually be able to make because we hadn't ever done anything like this before. You know, like the viral video was two minutes. Yeah. And that took like a day to make. And, you know, so we, we didn't quite know if we'd be able to get to stretch it out to a full feature length. You know, the deal was a was a feature deal, but Shudder were really kind of chill about the runtime. And what we what we really wanted to do, like the, one of the very first ideas we had, is that we thought it'd be really funny if um, the characters were about to get killed by a demon, and then the free the free timer cut them off. So we had this like gag at the end, um, this like stupid gag at the end, and that pretty much gave us our runtime. We so yeah. we aimed for like we aimed for like forty minutes, but then there was too much good stuff. To we we tried a forty minute cut, and it just felt a little a little pinched. So it's kind of, it's a movie 40 minutes, you know, it's, um, it's 40 minutes in film time. Um, but you know, it could have, it could have gone longer. I mean, we had so much material. The first, the first cut was an hour and a half, but it just felt baggy and it felt like, yeah. Like one of the big references for this was, um, have you guys seen, seen VHS, like the first VHS movie? I haven't, I have to confess. I, I haven't, I'm afraid. It's on my shudder list, if that's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's 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 really hit and miss. But like, there's there's an episode of, at the very end of the first VHS movie um, that's made by the guys Radio Silence who did Ready or Not, and it's like just this amazing like haunted house roller coaster kind of found footage thing where it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And we we really wanted to have that same energy by the end that it was just one thing on like you couldn't process what was happening. We were just yeah. you and so condensing it and making it kind of like feel like a bit of a ride was something we had in mind from the beginning yeah i think that when the, the when the little warning comes up you know you have to yeah. death, you, yeah. that's like you know definitely the moment of okay here you know it, yeah. here's, here's finale. Yeah, that was meant yeah. to be like yeah. that's meant to be like when you're at the top of the drop yeah. on the boat yeah yeah. Okay. yeah i think you've achieved that because the one word i would use is adrenaline yes uh, now i can be like mark kermode and say i've now watched this film twice and both times afterwards I was so adrenalized I had to go and play brain training a bit just to kind of <laughs> try and divert myself. Um, uh, Kirsty, didn't you want to ask about the uh, directing process? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, I, again, I just, 
it fascinates me the the process of just doing this in yeah. in lockdown at all really yeah. so can you speak a little bit about how as a director you kind of approached you know yeah. bringing this whole thing together and kind of working with your actors particularly yeah yeah i mean it was weird um like i was very anxious about it at first because be, you know because i'm normally quite like hands-on and i like to be quite controlling and I like to storyboard everything and I you know and I and I kind of have a bag of tricks or a bag of like cheats that I that, that some that sometimes I'll lean on when I'm making a fit you know because when you're making a conventional movie you've got all these huge you've got the pressure of a huge production you've got time pressure you've got to shoot you've got to shoot your seven pages you've got to make your day that kind of thing so you have these like cheats that you lean on and none of those none of those worked in this format, um, and also it's quite an exposing medium because it's basically just pure performance. It's just people's faces, but like that, that's most of the movie, and um, and also we didn't really have a script. We had a, we had a, we had an outline, uh, so a lot of it was 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 a lot of it was reliant on kind of being very present on the day and working with the actors and being able to like to trust my gut and, and say, oh, it feels like we've got a shape for this scene now, let's do, let's do that. Because when we, when we started out, the movie could have been any number of things. And it was really a day-by-day -day process of working with the actors to figure out what the movie was, what the tone of the movie was. And, um, and, it, was, and it actually turned out to be really fun. Like the whole, thi the whole thing was this just amazingly creative process because it, you know, we had, it was such a condensed time frame. Uh, we there was you know normally normally you spend three years developing a script and and it probably won't get made even at the end of the three years that's the development process normally whereas this we knew we were making it we had 12 weeks to do it and we were having to figure it out as we went along so there was there was just there was such a trust that everyone had to have in each other and um, and it was it was really fun to like to work to work with the actors and feel like it was more of a collaborative process you know finding the film um you know what i what i would do what i would tend to do is we'd we'd all log on in the morning we'd all be on all be on a zoom call i'd kind of talk the actors through the objectives of the scene i'd say this is what we want the audience to be feeling these are the points you need to hit why don't you try this and then we'd do a first take and the first take would be kind of long and rambling it would be about four times the length it would appear in the movie um and then we'd all come back on we'd have a debrief i'd have i'd have been making notes the whole time i'd say this worked this worked less of this more of this we'd do a second take and a third take and normally by like the third or fourth take we kind of pared everything down to about the length you see on screen and we almost we almost had a conventional kind of script for the scene yeah. and then we'd just start to kind of go in and sharpen individual moments or like you know I'd be there kind of hidden and muted and I'd unmute myself and I'd say that line again, try this. And I'd, you know, I'd throw in. Um, and it was really, it was really fun. It was really fun to see the movie kind of happen in real time. Okay. So, I mean, that, that sounds, the process you're describing sounds a little bit more akin to working with actors in theatre rather yeah. than yeah. you're further back. And because oh, I'm yeah. Um, yeah. But what I'm wondering as well is, and how, I mean, that, that's a process on its own. And yeah. then you've got this whole thing of it's sort of, you know, found footage. So you're, it, to what extent are you directing their kind of cameras? Oh, oh, massively. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so what I did, 
I mean, we kind of we kind of did it in an unconventional way in that like all the actors had uh, they only had their scenes, so they only knew what was going to happen to them. They didn't know a lot of the scares that were coming, and so um, one of the things I did in the week leading up to the shoot, I spent a day with each of the actors on Zoom, uh, setting all their camera positions, blocking it out with them, you know, uh, sorting out their lighting setup. So they they lighting setup one, two, three, and they knew exactly when the changes happened, um, but they didn't know where the other characters would, would be, what would, what would be happening. Um, I did, I also did like, they, none of them really watch horror movies. So I did a kind of crash course, like a horror movie crash course where I showed them, um, showed them some clips and we, we, we did it. We did a zoom screening of paranormal activity three, yeah. <laughs> which I love. And um, we basically kind of would, they'd watch it and they'd be scared. And then we'd pause and say, well, look, this is why you were scared. It's because the, framed and you've got an open doorway in the background and they're looking you know the audience's eyes are, are drawn to it um so they you know we kind of gave them a little bit of a framework for what to look for and then i blocked it out with them uh the week before then a couple of days before we all got on zoom as a group and i talked them through the objective of every single scene as a group they made notes then they went away for a day and came back the day before shooting and i i muted myself on on the call and they basically walked me through the film beat by beat just so they just so i knew that they'd kind of they'd they'd got it as a reflex by then that, that sounds like a really kind of interesting and intensive process for them probably more so than you know kind of conventional shoot i would imagine yeah oh definitely yeah. you know because they think it needed to almost be all of those all of those you know all the aspects of, of um that would normally be handled by the other areas of production um, the framing, the lighting, everything like that, that all needed to just be kind of muscle memory by the time we shot because we were relying so much on what improv they would bring to it. Um, so they couldn't be pulled in all different directions. So it was really important to me that, yeah. they, that we just worked through that by the time we got to the shoot. Brilliant. Thank you. Can I just say, Rob, it doesn't feel to me like it, it was something that's been improvised. It feels very focused. I think if you have developed a script for three years, you know, we'd be lucky to have it that good. I think it feels so purposeful. Um, I think that was the that was the that was what was so nice about the process. It's like you know, normally on a film shoot, you spend you spend half the day waiting around for the lights to be set up, for the hair and makeup. For, you know, whereas doing it this way, every second of the day you could be shooting, you could be talking about the scene, you could be working things out. So you know, even though there was a lot of improv. Um, we'd improvise and then we tighten it down and eventually we'd 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 end up with something that felt kind of tight and purposeful and that was always like that was that was always when my main worry is that it would feel like a bit of a patchwork quilt and we it would feel too kind of baggy but actually like um the process of working with the actors and also our, our amazing editor Brenna Ranga who, who who like totally made this movie um that's one of the things I'm happiest about is that it feels quite tight um just kind of final question then about kind of what's what's next because i you know i'm kind of the whole sam raimi thing like amazing but i was yeah. a bit confused about you know if it was this film or another film um and then also i was reading something yesterday where they you um got two other things on the go so can you can you yeah, yeah. tell us a little bit more about how we're going to be you know kind of tapping you for later for more interviews <laughs> yeah well, we're just, well the, i mean the sam raimi thing got announced the same week as this which you think is where the confusion yeah is. it's um 
that's a project that we've been developing with sand for for the past few months we've just got a, a script in it's really really exciting script by this writer Micah Raynham and um I'm not really allowed to say very much about it but it's it's basically it it's it's uh it kind of takes place in the same supernatural space as host but it goes a very different direction with it and what else can I say um like obviously just working with working with Sam is is still mind-blowing and like still um very surreal and um and just really like as fun as you'd imagine as well he's he's very uh like it's great like we were doing we were doing a a kind of um a script meeting with him a couple of couple of days ago and he'll he'll just throw in these ideas that are so like evil dead and so Sam Raimi and I you know uh which is I guess what you'd expect from Sam Raimi but it's still a kind of it's still so fun to like that, well that's why he's yeah. that's why he's Sam Raimi because his mind just works like that and it's um no I mean as you can as you can tell I'm still processing it but yeah. um so that's super fun and we've got uh we're doing a movie of our short film Salt um, oh I love Salt oh yeah, thank you no, I'm, love- I'm, re- I'm really happy we, 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 we've got that set up that's with um that's with Churnin Entertainment who did the Planet of the Apes movies um, okay, okay. producing um and again we we've got a great script in for that and then we're doing what else are we doing we're doing a dawn of the death dawn of the death movie with my other oh, short okay. we're doing that I can't, I can't say who that's with yet but i think we're going to be announcing that soon um and then we've got a movie we're doing with a, a, a kind of um uh how do i describe it and anyway, we we've got a, we've got a kind of um very claustrophobic intense horror movie that we're developing with studio canal as well okay um yeah, so we, there's a whole bunch of things, and it all depends when the world goes back to normal. And you know, yeah. if, if not, we'll do some more, you know, fan footage nonsense. But um, uh, yeah, we'll keep keeping busy. Well, welcome back, folks. Hope you enjoyed our spoiler-free chat with director Rob Savage. There, massive thanks to Rob for sharing his time with us. In a few weeks, you'll be able to hear the second part of our interview with him where we go into some spoiler-specific behind-the-scenes detail about the movie. Uh, We've got to make apologies to the Empire Film Podcast because we've shamelessly ripped off their device of doing a spoiler special (laughs) a few weeks after the film's (laughs) release because we thought that we wanted to go in-depth on a number of things about the movie, but it would be a shame to make that information so readily available at the moment when the film's only been out for a week. Um, So we will come back to it and we'll have a longer spoiler discussion of the film among ourselves and we'll also talk to Rob. In the meantime, go see the movie. Um, This is the part of the podcast where we normally make our recommendations and I think first recommendation is we all recommend Host. Am I right? (laughs) Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. And just just for for <laughs> listeners who are maybe not sure about if they want to sign up for Shudder, um, because it is a subscription uh, subscription screaming. I can't speak today. Um, service. <laughs> How strong was that coffee? Yeah, well, it was quite strong. <laughs> um, so, um, but you can do a, a seven day free trial. So, um, you can yeah. just sign up to watch it, um, and then and then cancel if you want. Not suggesting. I mean, it's got lots of good content on it. Not suggesting you would, but you could if that's you know if that's what you want to do. If you're skin as I am, yeah. you can do seven days. <laughs> Fantastic, Stella. What's your recommendation for this week? I would like to recommend um, a pop.
podcast called the Ivy League Murders. Um, I might have mentioned before that I do thoroughly enjoy a serial killer slash murder podcast. It's possible it's you probably have my favourite thing. <laughs> my favourite thing in the whole wide world, probably more than my family, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Ivy League Murders. It's a really, really interesting approach to because um, there's so many murder podcasts out there. It, it, the market is fully saturated for murder podcasting. Um, but these two gals, they've taken the sort of the approach of rather than just going through all the big hitters like Dharma and Bundy or whoever, they're specifically looking at murderers who come from sort of the higher echelons of life. So they've got they've got murders from people who've quite high up in universities or people high up in business who really have you know they've got no business murdering people anyway but it's just really really interesting stories as to why people who have done so well in life suddenly find themselves you know doing the worst thing that you could possibly do so it's a really really interesting take on the whole idea of murder and why people come to murder um without just talking about yeah you know dharma eight people and Gacy was a clown. Yeah, we know all that. So it's a different, a different selection of cases, and there's some cold cases in there as well, which I quite like. Okay. Not that I'm going to solve them, but you know, <laughs> I get to go Ooh, <laughs> about it. Speculation <laughs> too. I do get to speculate with um, my one friend who's prepared to talk about it with me <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Nobody else is interested, which is hilarious. But no, it's a really interesting <laughs> idea to kind of take murderers away from the kind of stereotypical social things yeah. that pro- supposedly mm. provoke crime. Um, yeah, and uh, and look at the darkness inherent <laughs> in the human soul from a different angle. <laughs> oh, blimey! Um, just That's think- very poetic. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, just thinking about one of your recommendations from previous weeks, Stella. Um, you recommended a Netflix movie called The Platform, um, which yes. I saw a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I can thoroughly back that recommendation. It's good, isn't it? Thing, I'll say this: yeah. it's not a movie to eat during. No. no. No, no, no snacks for no, that one. But um, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a great example of a movie where the premise is set up and then they kind of do everything to uh, mm. explore it. And um, yeah, I was I was thoroughly immersed. Uh, quite, yeah, quite good. quickly. Have you seen that, Kirsty? Um, I haven't, but I am fully aware of it. Yeah, so so. <laughs> seen a lot of discussion about that one. Yeah, it's um, it's made an impact. So yeah, so it's on my list. Yeah. And it's mm. it's a tight ninety minutes, I think. It's not hugely long. Yeah, it's not too um, long. Yeah, but but yeah, between meals, uh, definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, the horror movie you can enjoy between <laughs> meals. <laughs> Kirsty, what are your recommendations? Um, I only really have one this week. Um, so I've been decorating. Um, and uh, so my podcasting time exploded a little bit. Right. Um. So I've been listening to and finished a Q Code podcast series called Baraska, um, which available is available on Spotify and probably other places as well. So what's interesting with I'm um, listening to a few Q Code ones now, and what yeah, they do they is made, they didn't they make the left right game? That, yes, yeah. and also Blackout, um, and there's another one they've just launched called Dirty Diana. I think so their model seems to be is they get some high profile actor um, to star and also produce. Um, so with Left Right Game, it's Tessa Thompson. Blackout is uh, Rami Malek. Um, and Baraska is Cole Sprouse. 
Um, I don't know. So who that he's in, he's uh, a young actor in uh, from Riverdale. Ah. Um, I'm not nah. a fan of that, but in that I've not watched it. It's not, that's not a judgment. I've just not seen it. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So what's interesting about Baraska is that it's um, it, it it pulled me in because it seemed to be using some folk horror tropes. But you know, kind of, it's not set in kind of the South, but kind of American folk horror, Southern Gothic-y tropes. Um, there's a small town. Um, everybody, it's everything seems normal, but there's this undercurrent of it's not quite. There are some unusual traditions in this rural community, um, and you, you know, kind of spend it's nine episodes. Um, and you kind of spend eight episodes or seven episodes kind of going, yeah, I know where this is going. I think I know where this is going. And then it doesn't. Um, <laughs> so it was a very pleasing and very dark uh, kind of experience, particularly the last couple of episodes, which are really well done. And um, the other thing that Kiko do, do or sort of uh, they pride themselves on doing is um, sound design. Um, so really immersive sound design. Um, and yeah, this but all one's that's right game yeah. is very yeah. much like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so the sound design is particularly strong as well. So, I it's it's n- not terribly long. Like I said nine episodes. It seems like it's it's a contained thing. There aren't going to be, um, you know, kind of future seasons. I would imagine. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a interesting, horrific, intriguing, and uh, you know, sometimes um, very disturbing uh, narrative. Okay. Nice. Um. That's a good one to think about. Thank you, Kirsty. Okay, so my recommendations for this week. Well, I've been dipping into Shudder, seeing as I've had to become a member to see host. And um, I've basically um, just, I've used this word before, but just mainlined some of the documentaries (laughs) on there. Um, And there's two main ones I want to talk about. Uh, There's Horror Noir. Have either of you heard of that? Yeah, no, that's on yeah. my, my list of things to watch on Shudder. <laughs> it's, it's very much worth watching. Um, it's only quite short. It's about an hour and a quarter long, and it's about the history of black horror cinema. And um, Yeah. Uh, from my point of view, as a horror fan and a white horror fan, um, it was kind of eye-opening to realise that there are very few black-focused horror films, really. Mm. Um and it was kind of horrifying to realise that even the few that there are, I haven't seen many of. Um, mm. You know, they talk about Eve's Bayou, which you mentioned um, in the mm. Witches episode, Kirsty. Yeah. I mean, some people don't think of that as a horror film, so it's a marginal example. Um, but but there's a person on the documentary who argues that it is. Um, they talk about Blackula, which I've never seen. Um, and how could I not have seen Blackula? I mean, honestly. Um <laughs> And the director is on there. They interview William Crane, who directed that. Um, and it was really interesting the way I saw it, because um, uh, I also watched a, a much longer documentary that's on there called In Search of Darkness, which is like a survey of as much of the 1980s horror genre as possible. It's basically... It's like a cross between a big glossy coffee table book about horror films where they don't go into much detail about anything but there's some really good pictures and some really good quotes. Um, But also it's a bit like 
Peter Greenaway's mock documentary film The Falls. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that. No. Um, that's a four-hour-long mock documentary, which is basically 96 interviews with different people who've all survived something called the VUE, or Violent Unknown Event. They never explain wow, what it is. It's it's like so, so Peter Greenaway is yeah. <laughs> it's it's the really it's one of the weirdest examples of a kind of post-apocalypse movie because essentially this thing has happened across the whole world, but they never really explain what it was. But they just interview these ninety-six people who, who've been affected by it. And Greenaway himself said, "Look, I know it's four hours long, but you don't have to watch it all at once. You know, it's basically 96 short films. Just watch a few and then do something else for a bit. <laughs> and um, In Search of Darkness is kind of like that. And it's great fun. Uh, most of the films you probably know, some of them you won't. Um, but it, it was very telling um, that... In Search of Darkness, because they've chosen to focus on the 80s, it's like it frames 1980s horror as, as like a golden age of horror cinema. Um, and in uh, the other documentary, Horror Noir, they basically spin over the 80s in, a, in about a minute because they go, <laughs> in the 70s when we had movies like Blackula starting to happen and a few other examples, we thought that there was going to be a blooming of um, kind of black input into the horror genre. And then the 80s happened, and it was the opposite of that. And yeah. you suddenly realise how thoroughly white all of those movies were. Yeah. I mean, there's basically two black actors uh, interviewed in In Search of Darkness. I think just two. One of them is Keith David, who was in The Thing. Mm. And they're also both interviewed in um, the other, uh, in Horror Noir. Um because that's that's all that you can pull from the eighties. It's uh, <laughs> and you know the overwhelming whiteness of the slasher genre, which is why in Scream Two yeah. they have the bit about. I mean, this is basically it made me realise that my knowledge of black cinema more or less extends to Night of the Living Dead, <laughs> Candyman, and the line. <laughs> Since when did you get your PhD in black cinema, Sister <laughs> Soldier from Scream 2? Which was directly, they, they included moments like that in Scream 2 in the bit where they explicitly comment on the fact that the black characters often get killed first. Certainly, mm. if they don't get killed, killed first, they certainly don't make it to the yeah. end. Um, yeah. And, and they deliberately put that in Scream 2 because people had commented about the fact that there were hardly any black people in Scream 1 and no yeah. significant ones. And this was in the late 90s. So, uh, you know, mm. it's um, a situation which is only just turning around now with, with Get Out and Jordan Peele is a very, um, who wrote and directed Get Out, is a very prominent interviewee mm. in the documentary. And, you know, we, we've certainly seemed to have come to a turning point um, and hopefully we're going to look at a very different... Yeah, although um, there's the Jan uh, Janelle Monet, um horror antebellum. Oh, right. Which has just been shelved, I think, for the time being by the distributor. I think I read that this week. You mean it's been shot, but they've shelved? Well, no, it, no, no. They've, no, it's it's ready to go, but I think they did just just they, Well, they, it was it was on for theatrical release, but obviously with current things. Right. Um, yeah. So it's they, they've not, unlike other things, decided to do a video on demand release at the moment. Anyway, I mean, it might come later, mm. but um, but that looks stunning. Um, right. So it's a, that's a bit of a disappointment. I do worry about the way that the current climate will adversely affect a kind of um, 
you know, filmmakers who aren't white and male and supported by studios. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, but um, it's been... The deck has been so stacked in the favour of, of white male homogeny mm-hmm. for so long that I think that I'm hopeful that the sea change that's begun cannot be finished yeah. by even the pandemic, you know, um, because yeah. those voices uh, are louder now than they've ever been before, and it's certainly taken such a long time. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a really interesting documentary, so those are my two recommendations. Um, certainly, if you're like me and, fr- and, uh, and have a similar background to me, then um, the uh, In Search of Darkness is good fun. Um, Horror Noir is also good fun, but is really um, salutary and educational mm. as well. So, so I yeah. recommend both of those. And there are loads of other horror documentaries on Shudder that I've not even got around to watching yet. So. Yeah. 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 I'm going to watch the one about the cursed films. Oh Next. yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds fascinating. Because that looks, that looks ridiculous. Yeah. So I definitely going to watch that. <laughs> yeah, there's been so many stories yeah. over the years about cursed horror movies. Yeah. So you wonder which ones are, they're going to make it in there and, and what kind of bizarre details they're going to want to. So yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. Cool. Well, I think that brings us to the end of of this episode. Um, once again. Um, a little bit like last week, we're going to leave next week's episode as a surprise for the listener. So, <laughs> so watch Twitter and Facebook for a clue as to what it's going to be about. But we will be back next week, or at least Stella and I will be. Kirsty, you'll be on holiday, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. In Scotland, looking for the Loch Ness monster, I think. <laughs> at least that's what that's what our children are planning. So, right. well, just just yeah. remember well, to let us know. Turn your camera phone on and come back with the found yeah. footage monster you indeed. movie. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a, a drizzlier version of Cloverfield. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully the weather will be nice. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed. I mean, not too hopeful, but a bit hopeful. <laughs> yeah, all right, nice one. All right, folks, well, that's been an, another wonderful episode of the show for, for us. I hope the listener has found it wonderful as well. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime... Go watch Host if you haven't already seen it. Um, I'm Dan once again, and uh, thank you very much, Kirsty. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, thank very you much, Dan. Stella. <laughs> and, uh, Thanks, Stella. We'll see you again soon. <laughs> bye bye. 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 You have been listening to, and now the podcast starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by. Kirsty Warrow, Stella Gaynor, and T.D. Velasquez, with special guest, Rob Savage. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music, and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law, and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages, at AndNowPod or at LeeCushingPod. Follow us on Twitter, at AndNowPodcast or at LeeCushingPodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash 
And now, podcast. And now, the podcast stops.